0: a humble sailor who just wanted to dance. Until his scenes got cut. Thanks, Danny Boyle. We watched T2 spotting, and this is what we had to say.
1: To the victory!
0: After 20 years abroad, Mark Renton returns to Scotland and reunites with his old friends Sick Boy, Spud, and Begbie. It's the Battle Royale Final, everybody. Welcome, welcome. Here we go. We're in, the, we're in the Thunderdome now. We're in the Thunderdome. Entering the Thunderdome is our winner. All hail Sasha Reed, Queen Sasha. Here we go. Also joining us is our two unfortunate runners up we've got Andrew Grayson (laughs) Andrew Grayson and Joseph Boone and also joining us is our guest this week here to talk all about his awesome upcoming period drama A True Mismatch we've got Daniel Reynolds welcome to the show Dan hey guys thanks for having me I'm excited (laughs) <laughs> great to have you here, great to have you here. So looking forward to talking to you all about the true match later on in the episode, but first you've got to help us with reviewing T2 trade spotting. So, Sasha, here we go. First of all, how are you feeling, Sasha? How are you feeling to be the winner of the Battle Royale?
2: I'm feeling good, feeling good. I mean, <laughs> I really wanted Ray to win, so I was really happy with that. And then I was like, oh, okay, so now I need to fight again against two people. And I wasn't really too fussed about it, but... I think Andrew said something like, I'm going to kick both your asses, and I was like, are you actually, no, 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 that's not going to happen, and it turned out it didn't happen, so sorry Andrew. Joseph, I'm sorry too, but I'm mostly
3: how ha Yeah, I was—I wasn't even a contender in that race. I was—I was way at the back. I was still eating my yogurt at the starting line. Oh,
2: just cool guys, you go ahead. I'll catch up.
3: <laughs> oh, so Sasha,
0: tell the audience why did you pick T2 Train Well, I
2: was—I quite liked that there was already a Marvel and then there was already a, an animated film. So I was trying to think of something that was really different. So there'd be a good variety for people to pick from. And it, I just kept coming back to T2. It's Scottish. The first one was really good. This this one in particular was a great film. And I just thought it'd be something different compared to the other two. I really wanted to pick Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but I didn't want to pick another Marvel film. And I would like to say if I wasn't in this competition, I probably would have picked um, Winter Soldier.
3: Oh, come on, Sasha. I, I don't no, remember. seriously, I love, I love it.
2: It's one of my favourite films, and I was like, oh, wow. no, you go against this. This is so honest, Actually, odd.
3: honestly, I would pick the same.
4: <laughs> I, 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 I feel this episode is turning into just winding me up now at this point. Yeah. Is
1: it working? Yes. <laughs> love
0: you. Oh, dear. Andrew, I'll come to you next then. So... I mean, I, I, we obviously know how you're feeling. I mean, I, I was with you, mate. I was with you as well. I mean, I I I did vote for Winter Soldier, you know. So, I mean, for me, it was the best film out of the three. I thought personally. So I, I was with you. I think you you had the, the the if everyone was voting with their head, you know, I think that's what would have would have been picked. But. Sasha coming in with all her pals,
4: stealing, stealing the show, stealing the public vote. I don't
2: have that many pals, I'm just going to get annoyed. I'm
4: not, I'm not even having that. If you don't have that many pals, you've got the longest blacklist I've ever known, man. because it was the There was a point where the vote... Look, like, to be honest, I think Shrek, Shrek 2 got robbed. Yeah. Me, yeah. When Joseph told me that was his film, I thought, oh no. Like, I couldn't... think I'm going... Marvel, most people are, are, are superhero fans. There's a big following. blah, blah, blah. When he told me Shrek 2, I thought there is no chance.
1: Uh-huh. And
4: then three weeks later, after we'd already announced our two films and Sasha had a good while to decide what <laughs> film she was going to pick um, in the meantime... And she said train spot into three. I was like, yeah, that's a good choice, but I still think Shrek 2 is my, my biggest competition. I thought
2: that was the case
4: as well. And um I couldn't have been more wrong. There was a point I think I got as close to maybe sixteen votes, and then it ended up to being 316 of the difference. So yeah. I'm <laughs> yes. not I'm not oh, a very sorry. I'm <laughs> not a very good loser. I'm so um, so bad. But but for the no, I don't feel bad. Like <laughs> do you know how do you know how I'm feeling now? If any of watched the the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, mm-hmm. it says the line i took that personal so if we ever have a vote <laughs> off again or oh, i feel bad for my family and friends because i was <laughs> personally it won't be it won't be general facebook posts it'll be personal posts and messages to each yeah i
2: was i did message some people i was like hey we haven't <laughs> spoken like three years i hope you're doing good you
1: like, smiley face. follow this link and do a
2: laughing face and then see some people they just kept doing thumbs up but then post and laughing faces i was like no no you don't need to comment it's totally fine just do okay, it okay we
4: get it we'll sasha leave. i got pity votes as well because i <laughs> we didn't know how to fucking smile on the <laughs> oh dear i actually didn't
2: think of that
1: but yeah, yeah, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> here's me thinking paul had it had it bad i love you man but andrew's taking the biscuit already right okay andrew tell us what what your first thoughts on t2 transporting then
4: um Transport 2, It's it's a good film. Um I did a post where I was talking about my film and I did say I don't think it's as best. It's, it's as good as the, the the first Trainspotting. Um I'd only seen it once prior in the cinema. Um, so I, when I rewatched it this was only the second time I'd seen the film. I think there's better parts in this film, but I think as a movie overall, I think Trainspotting had the better story to tell. But mm. it's a, it's a good it's a good film. I I, I wouldn't say it's a bad film. Mm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Joseph, I mean, yeah, we've all already kind of established Shrek 2 robbed a bit, I think. I th- I think we all kind of were surprised that, you know, it just didn't do quite as well as we thought it was going to do. It was an interesting one. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean, I mean, well, I'm looking forward to talking to you both, actually, on what might have been later on in the episode with your two films, because, I, yeah, I, I love both those films. So, yeah, I'm very surprised. Joseph, what are your first thoughts on Transporting 2? And was it a boon bonanza for you?
3: Thank you, Craig. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I'm firmly with Andrew on this one. Next time it comes to a vote, it's not about if I win. It's about Sasha losing. Yes! Uh-huh. Yes! <laughs> and I have taken this personally. <laughs>
1: um, so out of spite,
3: I never watched T2. No, I did. <laughs> I... It, um, it was it was the first time I watched uh Train two. I'd seen Tra- Train before and I think it's a better film than the first one. Um I won't go into that just now, just in case mm. it comes up. And I don't want people to immediately stop listening um, <laughs> because of my opinions. Um but I, I thought it was a really good film. Um a, a brilliant film. It just um there it actually made me feel like, a little bit emotional near the end of it. Mm. Just because there's um growing up when I did, I just I know folk that are in the film and watching the first I re-watched the first one to watch the second one and it's like I recognize folk that I grew up with in like you know Renton and uh, Spud and mm-hmm. uh, all, that, all those guys and watching the second one I, I made me think I wonder if those guys are the same now as yeah. the, the characters are 20 years on in, uh, in T2 um, but it was it was a fabulous film and the soundtracks are brilliant
1: Mm-hmm. I'd
3: rewatch it again just for the soundtracks. Yes,
2: He's selling it better than I did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: said, yes.
0: For, for those of you listening on the podcast, Andrew's face is a picture right there, but we'll just we'll move on. So so uh Dan, welcome, welcome. So what are your first thoughts on Trainspotting 2? Uh, b- b- believe it or
5: not, actually, I watched Train Spotting 2 before Train Spotting 1, which is uh which is uh, which is a big thing. Um I love um i'm obviously i'm originally from southwest london so i liked the like in scotland you have like train spotting in london it was very much like snatch and lock stock two smoking barrels and all that sort of stuff so like um when i watched it i saw a lot of danny boyle style with like uh guy ritchie they're very similar mm. the way they, they they do things and I, I i love train spotting too i actually watched it again last night and um not much not much has changed because like when you live in areas like 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 uh kind of working class areas you do have like a bunch of pals and there's one that becomes successful and the rest just kind of stay in their their everyday life and they don't change much i love that it was very realistic i think as well it was great and it's good to see the characters 20 years later as well uh, it's mm-hmm. just yeah it's nice brilliant i really liked it
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah awesome awesome so my first thoughts are going to be a little bit different this week because, for those of you who have been keeping up on social media, will know I am actually in train spotting too. Uh, I get, I get.
1: That. <laughs> I actually
5: tried to look for you last night, Craig, as well. I was Oh, asked, like, where is good, he? Where good is
3: luck, he? good luck, Dan. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> because no, it is, I, 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 think, I think I think I did spot Chris in in the film. Oh, Chris oh, oh how, how, how dare you!
0: How dare you! <laughs> how dare! You? It's very much a, a blink and you'll miss me moment because I got cut down to uh, one second. M- most of my scenes were cut out with him, which one we're gonna go into in a bit more detail in a second. So, as I said, a little bit different this week from my first thoughts. So, I'm gonna play a wee game with you called Tales From Set. So, Tales From Set. Now, I'm gonna give you five stories and you have to all decide as a panel whether they are true things that happened to me on the set of Spotting 2 or whether they are false. Now, the reason we're playing this game is because this was genuinely the most bizarre, most fun shoot of my entire life as an actor so far. It was absolutely, it was was just incredible, the things that happened. So here are your five statements. Now, I'll read them all out. I'll read out the five statements. I'll then explain all five statements. I'll tell you the story. And then after that, you can then go through them all and we can vote true or false, okay? So, number one, I was the only person dressed as a sailor because of scenes that were cut. (laughs) Number two, (laughs) I danced while Begbie stared me down. Number three, a supporting artist or extra uh, on set disappeared and was never heard from again. Number four, I got a head nod from Obi-Wan Kenobi. And (laughs) number five, the best moment that I've ever had on set happened on this rainy night at 2 a.m. in the Cowgate of Edinburgh. So, number one. So I was only one dressed as a sailor. Now, for a bit, for a bit of context, right? So this this Trainspotting 2 happened very, very early on in my acting career, right? So this is very early on. And my agent at the time phoned me up and said, look, hey, they're filming Trainspotting 2 in Edinburgh. They're doing this massive scene in a nightclub. And they're going to be packing the place full of like 2,000 members of the public who have won a competition. But they're also wanting to employ some actors, some supporting artists or extras to kind of pad out the scene who know what they're doing. And also you're actually going to be taken upstairs and filmed like some indoor shots and filmed some exterior scenes as well. So that was that was how it was sold to me. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's do it. So I go I go to the costume fitting, which happens about two weeks before. And the costume lady takes one look at me and goes, Sailor, and she (laughs) gets this. She gets it. She gets this. This sailor outfit, tight, tight fitting. I mean, honestly, you could see everything, and it was it was tight fitting. And she said, and I remember, I remember, she said, "You'll be one of the sailors." And I was like, "All right, okay, fair enough." And to this day, I hadn't known what happened, and it and it wasn't until I actually started doing prep work for this for this episode that I worked out what happened. Now. Most of my scenes were cut because a whole storyline was cut. Because in the nightclub scene, there's a reason why everyone's dressed the way they are, because it was supposed to double as both an 80s themed night in the present, but also the actual 1980s. We were going to do some cut betweens. Because things like um, uh, Ian Bell from Outlander, he was playing a young spud. He was there and a bunch of other people were there playing younger versions of all the characters. So I don't know what I was supposed to be, whether I was supposed to be an actual sailor, who was on leave or something in the 80s, whatever. I, or I, I was just a guy randomly dressing like this in an 80s team night out. No idea. Anyway, I get there, and whatever happened in the two weeks, don't know, because I turn up, I go in, get changed, come out, and everyone else is literally dressed like they're up for a night out. Like, like <laughs> what 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 white, white t-shirt, jeans, the mean that at best they've got double denim on. And there's me rocking out in this bright white sailor outfit and everyone just bursts out laughing
4: at me. I'll never forget that. (laughs) Anyway. To be be fair, there is always that one guy on a night out where he (laughs) takes it that far. Exactly, exactly. That one guy always brings the
3: party, though. (laughs) Yes, there you go.
4: Craig always
0: does. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, number two, I danced while Begbie stared me down. So... This was the first thing that we did. So we got we got taken upstairs. Now, this is a nightclub I know quite well because I used to, I was a student in Edinburgh and uh, I love this nightclub. It had a cheesy dance floor, which was the best place to be on a night in Edinburgh. So we got taken up to the cheesy dance floor and this is where we're going to do like our scenes without all the public. So the public were getting, kind of getting brought on downstairs and kind of getting shuffled in. We were doing our scenes upstairs. So the first thing we did, we were come in and then this big strapping six foot five guy comes in and goes, right, everyone, we're going to learn a dance. I was like, are we? All right. So, so we get taught this like choreographed dance. Number. And again, it's all cut. The most you see in the film is it's the song, you know, this, when you hear the song, and that's the way it is. That that that, that song, right? So there was a whole choreographed dance routine to this. And all you see really in the film is just going like down and then jumping back up again. So um, we get taught this dance in like 15, 20 minutes. Um, and... <laughs> And then Robert Carlisle gets brought in and just gets plugged right then. This was a really funny scene. I don't know why they cut it because like it was a really good scene because they filmed us do this dance and they just filmed Begbie, who'd been in prison for 20 years, just kind of looking at us and going, What the fuck are these what guys doing? And, like, and it was so funny. And but it was like me and then Robert Carlisle, and he was just staring at me as I was doing this dance routine. And it he was in characters, it was fucking terrifying. It was <laughs> it was it was fucking terrifying. So yeah, he was just staring at me as I was doing this dance routine anyway. Uh, number three, one of my personal favourites. Uh, an essay supporting artist, Extra, um, disappeared from set and was never heard from again. So <laughs> this was happening while we were rehearsing the dance routine, right? So when you're on these things, you kind of get like a group of friends that you kind of like go around the set with like, you know, like for, for the day. So this is one of the guys who i had been chatting away to, right? And we were just standing next to each other, we were doing the dance. And uh, you know, Danny Boyle walks in and he kind of is looking around, kind of surveying the scene. And he, he looks, and then he does a little like that, and then he leans over to one of the crew members and whispers in his ear, and I shit you not, this is how this happened. Okay, I'm telling you this is how this happened. I talked to this guy who I'm I'm I've become pals with, and I kind of do a few, few more steps. I turn back, and he's gone. He's He's gone, vanished. We never knew what happened to him. We don't know why he was taken, but he was gone. And that, <laughs> And I remember thinking at the time, like Danny Ball's a freaking mafia boss, man. I better get these steps right, fucking hell.
3: <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, Craig. Did, did he disappear or was he taken?
0: Who knows? Who knows, man? <laughs> I don't, I, to, the, to this day, I don't know. Like it was literally that quick. I looked. I did some dance routine. I looked back. Nothing gone. Gone. N- never knew what happened. Never knew what happened. And no, I mean, we were all talking about it for the rest of the time. We didn't have a clue what happened to him. Uh, number four. I got head over from Obi Wan Kenobi. So this is when we all got brought downstairs to, to join the members of the public. And this was, oh, it was so cool. It was like 2,000 people there. And we all sang Queen together. That scene was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And this was when R- Ru McGregor was kind of walking towards Johnny Lee Miller. And he was doing his walkthrough. He was going to get rehearsed. He was getting, had like two security guards beside him. He was like getting walked through uh, the, the dance floor. And I'm just kind of standing there, kind of waiting for things to happen. And he kind of, he's walking past me. I, I actually he clocks me because I'm dressed like a fucking sailor. He clocks me and and he looks me up and down, gives me like a little head nod as if to say we've all been there, mate. And then <laughs> and, then, and then just and then just walks on. Oh, anyway. Um, and then number five, and this is it. This is the one. This is the one. The best one that I ever had on set happened on, on this shoot. Right. This is the, this, after all the dance stuff had happened. We, we do the exterior scene. So this is when you know when. Um, Begbie Chase is renting out the club so that, that most of that got cut by the way, so again so this was a, my actual scene, this is this is why I was there, so I, I was given like, or me and a group of people were given this scene and I'd never spoke to these guys yet on the set yet, they're just random people that I've been put with and the plan was that we are going to walk around go up, go up that steep cobbled hill and then talk to the bouncers and go, yeah let us in let us in etc etc and then, then we go in and, and as this is happening that's when Begbie Chase is renting out the club, yeah, so that was on with stand-ins because this was like a normal night in Edinburgh right so this was like Friday or Saturday so there there's members of the public just like walking about the Cowgate. so they have to barrier off the Cowgate. there's just members of the public just kind of like looking over and what the hell's going on so that's you stand-ins um so so what happens is we go we get to the we get to our first starting point and you know we're kind of just chatting away we, we do it we do the first take we'll come back and Collectively as a group, we kind of all notice that there's one guy who is acting a bit off. We don't know what's wrong with him, but there's something not right about him. And we are just kind of all kind of silently kind of go, hmm, what's going on? And then we go again, we do take number two, cut, come back. And again, we're just kind of like looking at him. And then I kind of notice, oh, he's holding the beer bottle. And at the time I remember just thinking, oh, it's just got a proper beer bottle, that's fine. Um, And then we we go again, Take, take three, cut, come back. And this is it. We, we all kind of collectively go, no, no, no. This guy is pitched. This this guy is completely off his face. And, and then again, though, still at this point, we were kind of all kind of, half of us were kind of like, is he just really committed? Is he like doing a bit of method acting here? Because honestly, just gone. Take four. We, we go again, cut, come back. And then out of nowhere, this big, massive security guard comes in, grabs the guy, hauls him away, chucks him over the barrier back to his pals. It had been a member of the public that had snuck in, and like this, and they climbed over the barrier. He joined the group. Now he was wearing like a t-shirt and jeans, so like he, like if anything, I'm the guy who looks out of place in this group. So he just he kind of comes in, and he just and literally he survives for four takes. There's four takes of that film with this random drunk guy doing this scene with us and back again. And honestly, I—I I mean, I'll, I'll give you this one for free, guys. That is absolutely true. It was—it was, it was, it was the, one of the best words of my entire life. I will remember that moment for the, till the day I die. It was so so funny, and just the audacity of this this drunk guy just coming in and joining us, the, joining the shoot—it was so funny. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. There's your five stories. Um, so I'll go through them all just, and just shout out. Just say true or false. Just say true or false. We've, we've already been—I've been jabbering away for so long already. So uh, number one, I was the only person dressed as a sailor because of scenes that were cut. That's false. True.
4: That's true. True. I'll go true as well.
0: D- Danny, D- Dad, did you say false? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I said okay, false. Cool, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: All right. Number two, I danced while begby stared me down. True.
4: true. That seems true, but I'm going to go false. I think I'm
1: they're going, all true. I'm going <laughs> false as well. I thought they were I,
4: all true as well,
3: but I've got a feeling there's, there's got to at least be one that's false. I, I don't think Craig would be sitting there if he's had Robert Carlyle as Begbie staring down. He'd still be rocking back and forth in the corner after that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Number three, the essay that disappeared.
4: I think that's true. Yeah, it's true. Not, yeah. I'm quite I'm random, not,
2: random, so I think it's true.
4: Yeah, never, well, true. I've never done like background work or anything, but I've heard some horror stories. So it does seem like somebody would just be like, Yeah, not for me. I'm just going to go.
0: <laughs> uh, I got a head not from Obi-Wan Kenobi. True. I hope so.
3: True. Wanted yeah. to be true.
0: Okay. And true. Num- at Number five, you know, is true. So <laughs> I can reveal <laughs> that. Well, did, everyone, did anyone say true for all of them? No. Well... Sasha's correct because they are all true. Of course they're all true. <laughs> oh.
1: Of course it's all true. <laughs> oh, my God.
3: Every that's single that's one.
1: That's
3: Stop feeding her ego. <laughs> I, I,
5: I actually thought that uh, the first one was false because you, you hesitated in putting in the sailor bit in one of your... Uh, I think it was in number four or something to kind of remind us about the the sailor. That's why I thought it was false. I was like, oh no. But my um, honestly, hats off to you, uh, Craig, for that. (laughs) Sailor. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the only one that i thought that have could you got be, pictures of that
2: false. like a full outfit
0: of you being like yeah um i've got i've got a i've got a snapshot of me on the bus in my sailor outfit but not, not a full shot i can tell you that but i'll, I'll try and,
4: and insert
0: here yes yeah please yeah.
3: i want to say this <laughs> yeah. we'll follow yeah. us on twitter and facebook to yeah, see exactly. this image
0: more <laughs> i'll get it in the final edit yeah i'll try i'll try and see if i can get the screenshot or something okay oh, brilliant That's enough out of me. That's enough out of me. Any sequel, right? We were kind of talking about this before the episode was have started filming the episode, but any sequel kind of has certain things that you kind of you kind of want to see to kind of kind of make it good. And if the film executes these things, that's what's going to make the sequel like stand test of time and be a film in its own right. So, the first thing for me really is the the kind of reintroduction of all the characters. Where are they now? How well is this done? Does it show the passage of time well? Is there been any kind of development off screen that we kind of get thrust into straight away? So Sash, I'll come to you first. How well do you think the film executed this kind of reintroduction of all the characters that we know and love from Spotting One?
1: I think it did it really well.
2: Like it's literally 20 years later and they're all in their wee bubbles. So like, Renton, he's left, he's fucked off with the money in the last film. And he looks like he's living a dream. He's healthy, he's away from it all. And then he faced plants on a treadmill and then um, he's like, okay, so there's something up in my heart. And that's how he turned out to come home. Then sick boy, he's still a raging coke So not a lot has changed, but <laughs> he's trying to bribe or extort people for money while running an old pub. And then we've got Begbie again, who's still a raging lunatic and is in prison because you wouldn't expect him to be anywhere else. Um, and then he kind of uses the beginning of this film to, figure out how to get out of prison and escape which is quite exciting and then there's wee cute spud who's still this wee potato and he's trying to be the best person he can be and he's like i see when he's like and looking i'm seeing wee fergus who's not so wee anymore. and you're just like oh he's just so cute and he's a dad at the same time um but then obviously the daylight saving fucks him up and he's late for (laughs) everything and he's, he's still spud who's always in the shite and you're like, you just can't, he never crap like gets a, a good moment. It's like, you poor thing, you're always in the shite. Um, so yeah, and then I guess after all this happens, it's like, there's just no point in me being here, so he's going to kill himself. And that's kind of when everyone's all in the kind of same area and that's when the story really starts. So that's kind of what, yeah, I was just kind of reintroducing you all there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a good start. I think it's brilliant. I love it. I loved and I love the music that he used as
3: well. Um so yeah. I think it's I think... It's, it's it's a cracking intro because yeah. you you basically get the snapshot of each character, especially mm-hmm. Spud. I love Spud. Spud. I just it's he breaks my heart
1: mm-hmm. every
3: time. Mm-hmm. But I think also have correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's this bit sort of interspliced with like the opening credits, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. footage of like younger versions of them playing yeah. football, which is a lovely callback to the original opening credits. Yeah. But the song that's used is uh, is it Lou Reed's "Perfect Day," and it's it's like basically when Mark has this like big hit near the end of the film, of T of Train Spot, and so it's like mm-hmm. those two overlaps, which is really really nice. And it's like oh we're, we're meeting all these old all, our old pals again, but it's sad at the same time. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's this wonderful melancholy moment. And then also just the Spud. I just I want to cuddle him, man. I just want to give okay. him a cuddle. You're
2: hoping that we're all doing really well and you're kind of like, oh, you're maybe
4: not. I do think the, the pace that they've done it as well, because obviously there are so many characters they want to kind of sink in with. I do think mm-hmm. the pace that they've done it with well, where you were seeing it quickly, like where McGregor was, where Sick Boy was, quick mm-hmm. sh- hang where Spud, seeing where. So I, th- I think the pace that they've done it was to go, right, let's quickly get everyone... Re- Remind inter- everyone who's where 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 they've ended up in the last 20 years and then kind of got to the the meat of the bones as you say when you find spud trying to kill himself and Renton comes in to save him oh i hated that but
2: actual was like bleh. i thought i was that really must cool have been that. that must
4: have been such a fun scene to film but oh, like he's obviously like, <laughs> mate, <laughs> i would have had such a laugh with that Andrew, gonna have two mouthfuls of soup in your gob. We're gonna put a bag in your head <laughs> and then just spit it
3: everywhere. That would be a oh,
1: it, it's, it. it's
3: wonderful. The thing that I love about both films is like you're expecting it to be a little bit Hollywood, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, he's got the bag over his head, he's about to die. Obi-Wan Kenobi's gonna come in and <laughs> save the day. But no, before he gets the bag, just bam, they're sick everywhere. It's like
1: mm.
3: it's like the bit with, with poor Spud again with the shit in the first film uh, and going downstairs to his pretty much in-laws you know and he's got like the the big duvet filled with his own fecal matter and it just goes ah why it's it's like Danny Boyle doesn't (laughs) he he doesn't go away from that the really embarrassing moments Mm -hmm. and I think I think it's brilliant but also just it makes you feel dirty (laughs) just like (laughs) in that oh no oh Oh, dear
1: it's
5: it's such a powerful it's such a powerful scene as well that that scene because you know, it, is, it happens and that's the harsh reality of it. And it's just, you know, it, it's just so powerful actually seeing it on screen. And as, as you said, it's not so Hollywood about it. It's very realistic. Yeah. You know, they didn't, you know, they made it as realistic as possible. And that's why, why it was so powerful. All
2: right. He just swallowed all these random drugs. So And he's almost stopped breathing. So he's going to be sick or something like that. So like, oh, fuck. You were just expecting him to maybe just
1: like
4: lie there and you rip the bag off, but when that happened, you're proper shocked. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "I wonder what the suit this. they used." I know <laughs> that's a, that's a, that was a good lentil, a good lentil. Yeah, I was going to say that was. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do yeah, think I it shows it, it gives it gives a lot of insight into the characters as well. That scene, in the sense of right, so you've just witnessed your mate try and kill himself. You've saved him. He gets angry at it at first, and so quickly it just turns to calm where Spud's asking him, Mm -hmm. are you going to stay for a couple of days? It would be nice Mm -hmm. to catch up. You're going to make your trick, kill yourself not, what, five minutes ago? Mm -hmm. So I think it shows you, it gives you a real insight into how these characters live where maybe the thought of suicide or they've got themselves is such a bad thing, but something can maybe turn that round really quickly. Mm -hmm. But you are in a dark place where it can go from happy, happy to right Mm now. There's there's no point in being here anymore. Yeah, Which it totally was sad, but up. I thought it was displayed really well in the It like totally
3: scene. sums up like Spud as well, like mm-hmm. how he is, because he's in that mess because of his mates, but he wants to be with his mates. So he's like he's in yeah. its escapism, that sort of thing. And then mm-hmm. as soon as you know Mark's back and he's like, Oh great, I can I can breathe. I can yeah. just mm-hmm. go back to being how I was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that sort of like it's almost like going and meeting your high school mates again. After the in the fridges, and you just go back into that old version of yourself, mm-hmm. as if yeah. nothing never changed. Yeah, as if nothing's changed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's such—it's a wonderful scene to see it just start at this high escalation point, and then just slowly calm and mellow out, as Andrew says.
1: Mm-hmm. And
3: I
2: loved how he fell off, like as if he was falling off the the building. Yeah. And then he catches them. And I was like, oh, that's
5: powerful. <laughs> oh, that gave me anxiety that part. I was like, because hey, when, uh, when I was in IB for one year, right? I was uh I was at the edge that I was living in these kind of big story flats and like um you know they had banisters and stuff, and like I would go outside and I'd just go, you know, when you're like, whoa, oh no, no, no. Oh I had that anxiety when I watched it. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I uh
0: I, I really love the opening of the film. I think it's very, very strong. It probably probably one of the stronger parts. Parts of the film for me. I love how snappy it is. I've really, and you, you were talking to uh, Dan before about uh, Guy Ritchie and stuff, the, that, kind of, that kind of similar uh, directing mm-hmm. style. Danny Bell is very similar, I love the snappiness, I love how quickly, because the thing about a sequel is, and the thing you've got to address with a sequel as well is that everyone's waiting, to find out what's happened to these people. Yeah. So if you just like the way he does it I love it because he's just saying right this is him this is him this is him this is him this is what's happened and now we can relax and we can actually enjoy this actual film in its own right and enjoy the kind of character development of all these characters now.
1: Hmm. So
0: I think I think it was a very very smart choice on the, on Danny Boyle's part for sure. Uh, one of maybe a few smart choices that he made maybe, maybe cutting some things out maybe he made a few mistakes there but you know never mind <laughs> uh, so so um, I better watch myself actually if I ever, if I ever work with him uh, so, <laughs> so um, uh, any sequel as well also of course it has a lot of callbacks it has references to that first film that you know and love so well I think to remember though, that the important thing to remember though is obviously as well that you can't go overboard with these things because is this a film in its own right? As we're, this is the kind of discussion that we're going to be discussing about later on, but is it a film in its own right or is it just a fan service for everyone who enjoyed Spotting* 1? So you've got to kind of strike that balance between the two things. Is there enough callbacks? Is there too much callbacks? That's kind of, kind of the question need would ask yourself. So Andrew, I'll come to you first. How well do you think the film did with the,
4: the callbacks to Spotting* 1? Too much for you? What, what, what do you think? Um, I think this was my biggest issue with the film. I think there was far too many callbacks. I think, to me, the way I described it, and by no means am I saying this is a bad film. I think it's a good film, but my biggest issue with this film was it seemed as if they were like, so there's, there's, there's been a trend where it's like, oh, we had this film and 20 years later, here's the sequel. So it seemed to me, it was like, right, we're going to do Trainspotting 2. Let's write a story rather than oh, we've got a really good story. So let's do Trainspotting 2. So you got your references like the Choose Life speech. You got um, the She's Too Young for You. You got the chase scene, you got the the toilet, the infamous toilet scene, you get loads of wee winks and nods. And for the most part, don't get me wrong, there's one part that I'm assuming we're going to talk about a wee bit later on. But the for the most part, to me, the, the the meat of this movie was callbacks and references to remember this in the first film, this was a really good bit. And then you kind of wove the the story in between. Cause if you go, you go, what's what's the story to this is Renton and, and Sick Boy are, are trying to build a brothel while they kind of get back at each other and then other things happen. Whereas for most of the story as well, as you're getting, and don't get me wrong, like I, we all love a reference. It's 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 what you want to be reminded of. But for me, I think they just done too many and didn't really kind of solidify a story as to why we're getting reference back. To me, it kind of overtook the main story of Trainspotting 2 as in, right, these are, this is what happened. Remember, this happened in um, the first train spot and, and there was a line when they go back to the, the, the hike scene where he, in the first film he says, being Scottish is shite, where Sick Boy says to Renton, you're here for nostalgia. And I don't know if that was put in purposefully as in that's why we're all here, but I just thought, yeah, this pretty much is a nostalgic film where you're just referencing the first film. But there are there are segments of this film that I think are really, really good. But as a film overall, I think they just referenced the first film far too much, in my opinion.
2: I don't know. I think they're just showing what life is like. Like, we're all meeting each other. There's not much we can tell each other because everything that's happened is kind of shit. I pretended I had two kids and a wife. Turns out I can't actually have kids and I'm getting divorced. So I'm going to come back and speak to all my pals. And then all you do in life is really think back and want to reminisce about good times or the times that you all remember together so mm. i think it's, that's pretty much like what you said is what they were doing but i mm. thought it was quite realistic and nice because that's probably what people will do and they'll be like yeah actually that's that's how we live our lives most of the times always thinking back or trying to yeah hi just <laughs>
4: <laughs> i don't know the one the one that stuck out for me the most where i just thought you didn't really need to do that was at the near the end when um spud is is going through his stories with Robert Carlyle, and he mm-hmm. literally word for word repeats the "no cunts leaving here" till we find out what cut done it, and
3: and I'm going. Oh, no 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 no. I see. How I thought that? that was a great bit. I thought that was good, <gasps> and it was marred because you spent the, re- the the first part of the film seeing you know like. Rent and getting stopped by the car, rolling over the car. You've seen that five times. You've mm-hmm. seen all these other bits, you know, X amount of times. I think if that was just its standalone moment where it's this, you know, you know, um, Begbie's reliving this glory yeah. day sort of thing, because that is Begbie. Begbie, he's, he's like this, um, he says it near the end when he's like confronting Rent, and He's like, what room is there now in, in the world for guys like me? Because yeah. he's stuck in the past because he's been inside for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So I think that would have been a wonderful moment if it was just isolated on its own. However, That's the got- issue
4: though. I agree. I agree. Exactly. Lifting, mm. But it's not the only moment because mm. it is. And it's, it's because I think it is one of the last references that you do get after you've had, the the chase scene the choose life i don't think you right choose life had to be in it because that's Mm -hmm. iconic with train spotting but with the references to she's too young for you with the references you get a wee sneaky bit of the music and then you get all of the music at the end Mm. i just think it came at the end of so many more and i I completely Mm -hmm. agree with you it's in isolation it's probably as a lovely moment that um begbie's reliving his youth but at the same time i'm like
2: i just thought it was too
4: much yeah Yeah. Yeah. so
3: many
2: so you're kind of like okay well Kind of expected to get one yeah. from everyone
3: now. So, yeah. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of like you, you're sitting next, watching it with Danny Boyle on the sofa next to you, and he's going, oh, There's a good bit coming up. Or, Aye. There's, a good bit, there's a good bit coming up. And, go, <laughs> and, he's, and, he's, and he's nudging you, going, Oh, if you like that reference, there's a good one coming later. And it's, like, it's like, Just let me watch a film without mm. being reminded of this, the prequel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, what about you? Uh, no, I, I mean,
5: like I said at the beginning, uh, I, I watched the second one first, so uh, it, was, <laughs> yeah. it, it made it made sense <laughs> when I went back to the first one. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I was never a big fan of Train Spotting when I watched it. I just like I just was like because eh. like as I say, I grew up watching Snatch and Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, and then like when you move to Scotland, everyone's like missing Train Spotting.
1: I'm <laughs> like,
3: and I'm like. <laughs> uh, and I'm like um, no. That's what happens as soon as you come up across the border, they sit you down and ask you if you want train spotting.
5: <laughs> literally, 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 before you get residence in Scotland, they go, right, a okay, couple of things. Couple of things. What sort football of team do you support? Yes. <laughs> or or it's uh, have you seen train spotting? Ah, right, okay, you have ticked one of them, that's fine. It's not a problem. Uh, oh, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I really I liked I, I like um like you guys were saying, it was like um you know you get to that part of your adult life when you're kind of hitting your 30s or in your mid-20s and like you have responsibilities and you have things in life which you know when you were younger you didn't have and like when you're younger you're in a happier place because she's not got all these responsibilities or worries and things like that and I like the way that they they kind of went back into their old school kind of you know 16 18 year old that they were and you know it's yeah it's it's um it was very realistic it was and. um like, like I said, it was, I actually really enjoyed it, actually. I, you know, I, I, at first I was like, oh no, you know, because I watched the first train spotting and I was like, I don't know if I like this too much. And then I watched the second one and I was like, okay, I actually like it now. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, watching them together kind of, yeah, kind of makes sense. And uh, I, I thought they, I thought that they, they did it really well. And I, I don't know if you guys know, like you see when you watch some programs where they do like a, a gap, like when i was uh, for example it the new it um when they have the small children and then they have the adults but the adults are not the small t- like they actually kept the original cast together and yeah do you know what i mean rather than mind you you couldn't do that i think everyone would kick up an absolute fuss if you didn't have that yeah. um of the original cast but i just oh, it was just it was it was done so well and I, as i say i love danny boggs he's very much like guy Ritchie in, in mm. his style
4: the things that the things that 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 kind of stood out for me though that 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 i was more interested in so see when you got the story of um begbie's old man was the was the tramp and and but i was more interested in that stuff Mm -hmm. because i'm going right that's given us more background as to why begbie is like why why he is and as much as it was like nice getting references back to the first film for me with sequels i'm like show me more. why we're making this one show me show me what's different yes have those yeah. references but show me what's new mm. and i think we we daniel seeing the second one before the first i do think that that would make me probably enjoy the, the second one more than than the first one
1: mm. as well yeah,
5: yeah. I, I there was, there is a scene but by the way I was, I was watching it on my behalf yesterday and um there is a scene that i loved just loved it's the scene where uh oh, right. obi-wan kenobi <laughs> goes <laughs> nah. uh, obi uh, kenobi goes back to uh his his uh his home and they have the scene shot of them sitting down on the table like mm. uh, at the table and the mum is not there and yeah, there's shot? just a shadow oh my it's god so yeah. oh my god
0: beautiful, beautiful. Yes. oh
5: my god i literally just went seekers of um from from like a producer kind of like for somebody who's who's um sort of it loves doing films and making making things and you know shots being so important mm-hmm. i watched that and i just went to my behalf i love that shot Oh, I love it. She was like, Dan, just enjoy enjoy the film. Stop <laughs> analysing it. Just watch it. And I'm like, no, no. Can we just pause this for once? I mean, look at this. And I'll start going, look, the mum's there. And it's just, she, she's not there, though. And it's the shadow. But is it is it Obi-Wan Kenobi's shadow? <laughs> Do you know? know. Or is it Qui-Gon <laughs> Jinn? What is it? I was going to literally mention
3: that next. So I'm so mm-hmm. glad you brought that up. No, I thought it was fantastic. I was
2: like... Oh, it's like
1: she's kind
0: of still looking over them and sitting with them. Oh, yeah, so yeah. And, all, yeah. And, all, and also, it mirrors uh, a shot in 1 as well, which they which, yeah. they, which they do you use, as well. which you do see as yeah, is, yeah it was fant- <gasps> fantastic, beautiful. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it is. Beautiful. It's so so good. So, bearing all this in mind, this is the question we've got to ask ourselves: Is is this a film in its own right? So, is this a film that actually? Takes the characters on a, on their own journey throughout this thing. If there was no train spotting one, you know, would this be a film that you would still really enjoy? Would this be a film that you would still think would be a cult classic because of just the way it's laid out, the way it's shot, the directing style, whatever it is, the character development, or is it reliant upon train spotting one? So these are the kind of questions we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of talk about firstly though the character development. How how well do we think the characters were? moved along in, in, in this film. Joseph, I'll come to you first. What, what, what do you think? Was there any strong
3: storylines that you thought were very, very good in terms of that? Um, yeah, I I think the characters moved along as they needed to, if that makes sense. I think mm-hmm. uh, if we go to Begbie, his whole purpose of his character is to show he hasn't moved on mm-hmm. until, until we get the reveal that, you know, the old tramp in the toilets was his dad and mm-hmm. that he makes that connection. Oh, maybe I need. Maybe I need to change to break the cycle, or maybe I know I can't change, so I can hope that you know Franco Junior can change and mm-hmm. break his cycle. Yeah. I think that's a that's just even though it comes right at the end, that's a really nice tipping point for him and it mm-hmm. changes. Yeah. And we can we see a different, more vulnerable side to Begbie. We mm-hmm. still know he's a psycho,
0: yeah,
3: but at the same time, there's a little bit of humanity in him, which I think yeah. makes him all the more scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. you know we. we Growing up in Scotland, everyone knows a guy like that. Everyone knows a guy like Begbie. Yeah, exactly. Um, Exactly. With Spud, you've you see him trying to change, but he's stuck in that rut, and you you just you're you're wanting him to change. And I think he stays the most the same throughout the entire film, um, because he's still that sort of loyal, a bit bumbling, a bit you know he puts he puts his foot in his mouth a lot. ends up kind of doing things that he doesn't mean to um yeah. and he doesn't change and but i think he's he's meant to do that same with same with um sick boy as well and then i think for me the what the one disappointment for the characters is actually Renton. yeah how he kind of just yeah he regresses a bit yeah and i kind of i wanted more from him i wanted mm. uh not not like the whole um Almost like an evangelical, like holier than thou sort of mm-hmm. aspect coming back. But I was hoping he'd he'd actively help, you know, Spud and Sick Boy a bit more. Yeah, as opposed yeah. to just falling back into the in the old ways. If that makes sense. No,
0: I I totally agree with you. Joseph. I, that that was the one moment in the the film where I, I on the first few, when I, the first time I watched this film when it actually when it when it when it came out. Um, that was the one moment in the scene where I like, like, I properly got angry. I got genuinely angry at Renton because like, Mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing? Like when when he, when he does the heroin, like, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Like you've, you've done all this work for 20 years to get yourself better. I know your life's going to shit a bit, but come on, man. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, that, that, that was, that, that was something I really like was like viscerally annoyed about. But, um, the, the Spud thing what you said was interesting. I actually I actually disagree I, th- I think I think Spud goes on the biggest change personally. I th- I agree I th- with that. I, I think I think Spud is the one person who actually sorts himself out and actually is going to have a future because he he actively tries his best just to stop just to go cold turkey, get rid of all, get the drugs out of the system. you see him go through that. You that see- is
3: that's my mistake. I mixed up Spud and uh, and Sick Boy in my head. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, Ed, I, other way around. Other way. Other around,
0: right. sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fine. No, yeah. So I was I was just yeah. No, like for Spud, it is. I just I love his journey on in mm-hmm. this film. I think it's fantastic. I love I love how he starts to channel it into his writing, and I love the ending of the film. I've got a title. You know, I think that's a great ending for the film mm-hmm. personally. Um, but for me, the standout storyline is Begbie. That that is that is a fantastic storyline. I love I love his. Development throughout the film. I love, I love the ending because is the thing. One of the main themes of this film for me, and also a little bit in the first one too, is this whole idea of social mobility. Which is, and I, what I love about this film is that it doesn't just pigeonhole social mobility in like the professional sense. Like you get a better job than your dad, than your than your granda You you go to college or uni. Because for me, social mobility is about more than that. Social mobility is also about just being a better person than who came before you. And it's it's always been my belief that. Um, a son's job is to be better than his father. Always, no matter what circumstance that you are in, that is your job as a human being to be better than what came before you. And I love, I love that scene. It's it's fantastic. Robert Carlyle is absolutely brilliant in that scene. You know, and it, it, the, the, the line gets you. You'll be a better man than either of us. That that is that is because like that that resonates with so many people. I imagine for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And as, as I said, it's that's what life's all about. You just got to be better than what was before you, etc. So. Um, yeah, for me, I I love those aspects of, of, of the film. I love Spud's development, I love Begbie's development. The one development I didn't like, because of the like Joseph said, the non-existence was Sick Boy. Like, what the fuck does he do? Like he he he
4: he doesn't go anywhere, I don't think, personally. Yeah,
2: yeah he just lived in the past. He was yeah. just aging and angry for the whole film.
4: I think mm. that shows the difference in the in the between the two characters and what their personalities are. So, like, as much as I would say I don't think Spud has changed, I think he's the only one that tries to, apart yeah. from maybe Begbie at the end where he does have this realisation when he's reading the stories and hears about the Wizzy's old man he's like right well I'm not going to be that for my boy but I think Spud tries to whether he does or he doesn't we won't know until another 20 years when they want to make a wee bit more money and they make Transport and
1: 3
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but... when all that is... I'm sorry Danny when sorry Danny, Danny. <laughs> I would love to be in Transport and 3 but no the, the point I'm making is like Spud when all the Spud Star Wars, would, um, when, he, when all the Star Wars,
0: when he dries yeah. up, right?
4: <laughs> Spud, um, Spud tries, Spud, Spud, You see that he has got off it, and I love the reason that he, the, the reason that he fell back into to heroin was because he hadn't changed his watch. Like to me, I'm going, that's genius. Like I'm, I'm a junkie. Why would I know what daylight savings is and stuff like that? That was, that was really funny to me. Um, but you see that he does. It, it's that idea because I know, I know a couple of people very much like Spud in the sense of. I don't think he knows his self-worth. And then when he realises that someone actually likes to hear the stories he's got to tell and he writes them down, that he does have this self-worth. So maybe he does have a reason to change. He had that reason in his son and for whatever reason it failed. So now he's got this other chance. Whereas when you were saying about um, Sick Boy, Sick Boy is a creature of habit. Sick Boy is where he is and he won't change from that. And I believe Renton is the same. Renton got out by chance but came all the way back to where he was, and as you say, like when he did take the when the scene where he, he does take the heroin, I think proves the fact that he is a creature of habit, and I do think that's my my biggest issue with this film, be it going from good to great, is I think it focuses on the wrong characters. Obviously, Ewan McGregor is the biggest name you're going to focus on. Ewan McGregor, but if this story was about um, Spud and Begbie more and looked more into their development rather than the story that we follow, because it is it's essentially it's essentially sick boy and renting, trying to change the pub into a, a brothel, mm. and I'm going. That's not interesting. Whereas finding out what happens with Spud and finding out what happens with, with Begby to me would be more interesting with less references to the past.
3: Mm. I agree. It's like the, the most powerful scenes are the ones between Spud and Begbie. Yes, yes. because mm. it's, that, it's, that, the, that. it's the moment where you know Begby comes in, and he finds all the writing, and he's he's yep. he's back in that old school way of taking the piss. Like aggressively taking the piss out mm. of Spud, and you're on the edge of your seat thinking, What's he do? This is the point where we lose Spud. Mm. And you're nay wanting to lose Spud because yeah. you yeah. love him. and he, he starts does. he starts reading it and he and he's like, read it. And Spud starts reading, he reads Begby's name, and you're thinking, yeah. fuck oh, shit. Fuck. oh shit here. We <laughs> go. Here we go. I I was ready as if if Robert Carlyle pulled out a knife there, I was pausing that film and stopping. I don't care if I had a contractual <laughs> obligation to watch this film. I was stopping <laughs> the Craig. Um, but then, he, but it, it's the way Begbie says. Go on, keep reading it.
4: It's a lovely return, though. It is. It's, yeah, he's yeah. Like, I remember that. It's it's a very, such like, a lovely return.
3: And you're just like you're just like. Maybe if circumstances had been different, Begbie would have been a really good friend to Spud. Yeah. Because he, in that moment you see Bagby recognises worth, <laughs> and I agree, I completely agree with you, Andrea. I should have focused Good on up. spotting and Bagby. Mm-hmm. Do, do 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 you guys think? Do you think? Uh, do you guys
5: think that George Lucas watched *Train Spotting* one and saw the way you McGregor was, and goes, "There's Obi Wan Kenobi." Because they literally filmed. They literally filmed uh, *Star Wars* like. What a couple of Star Wars episode one, literally like two years after that film came out. Yeah, I think. If, yeah, if yeah
0: that, literally. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I think he <coughs> did. Did they not do Moulin Rouge next? Or, and then, yeah. and then, and then it was Star Wars. So. Yeah, so yeah, a musical junkie, Obi-Wan Kurobi. there we go, yeah. and then literally
5: Spud ends up in The Mummy, is it The Mummy, is it The Mummy, or is it Pearl Harbor, is it The Mummy? I can't remember which one, Spud, I know he's in,
4: yep. I know he's in the, the film The Rundown with the Rock, or Welcome to the Jungle with The Rock, but yeah. I don't know about, um, I'm not sure about that, I don't think he's in The Mummy, so it might I don't might
5: think be he's in the, the Mummy, it's The Pearl Harbor, that was Pearl, it was Harbor. Pearl Harbor, yeah, mm-hmm. that was it.
4: I don't know yeah. if this is going to come up, but I need to talk about my favourite scene. And yeah, cool just, as, as someone who's grown up in, Scot- uh, in Airdrie in Coatbridge, Bridge and is very comfortable in terms of um, Catholics and Protestants, yeah. the scene <laughs> where they go to the Orange Order, oh, yeah. I have never laughed so hard oh, in so my hard. life in the cinema. I have family members and friends and family members who I spotted and not literally but in that <laughs> hall i'm going
1: yeah
4: that's that's a uh, big that's big tom that's, that's John. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like and it
1: was the
4: it was the slow build to like them them singing that song when they're singing and there was no more catholics left and you just see them all getting that i'm going i know so many people like that and then the, joke, the joke got funnier when they were like going to the to the cash cash line and it's 1690 yeah. And I'm going. I, I could. I could probably list off 30 people I know that that'll probably be their That'll be the cash. Uh, the cash point pin.
1: <laughs> but that for
4: me was like. I think when I say that there's moments and there's parts within that moment was so individual to this film. Yes. And I absolutely adored it. So when yeah. they did do the individual moments to this film, they have done the them so yeah, well. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't enough for me.
1: Mm.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Dan, you've got quite an interesting perspective as we've already established because you watched this first. So, do you think this film stands up in its own right? Then the the sequel.
5: Definitely. De- de- definitely. Like I, I, I think so. And see, coming back to what you said about the uh, the orange order, Andrew. That was mm. my first experience. I walked into a Rangers club in Linwood, the Linwood oh, Rangers club, when I was like eighteen. I walked in. Like, oh, no,
3: you're like my you're English. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: like,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm English she goes oh meet rule Britannia my man.
1: Britannia, man I
5: was like I'm, so literally it was like uh, like I, uh, I I had that experience so when I watched that scene like, I, I agree with Angie it was one of my favourite scenes but but coming back to what you said Craig it definitely stands out on its own because when I watched it I'd not seen the first one Yeah, and it, it gave me it gave me like a, it was like flashbacks you know and Um, I can see where Andrew's coming from, maybe too much. If you'd watched the first one and then the second one, it was maybe going back too much.
4: I think though, coming from your point of view though, I think that works for someone that hasn't seen the first one. So Mm. you are not beholden to the first film because there's enough information given that if you haven't seen the first film, you know what's going on. Mm. So I think coming from that point of view in the sense of if the general public haven't seen Trainspotting one, because it was quite a, a cult classic and it was, as you say, like you come to Scotland Scottish people are like have you seen Trainspotting so I think from your point of view in the sense of you hadn't seen it first I think mm. it maybe works well in that sense but because I'd seen the first one I've, I've just got that kind of different view. Yeah
2: because you know all these things you don't need to keep being reminded of them Yeah. yeah. when you, you haven't if, you, if you're if you just a random person you just turn the TV on oh Trainspotting 2 not heard of any of this I'll just start watching it you wouldn't need to watch the first one because it mm-hmm. there's enough flashbacks to help you
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's,
3: there's, a, there's an interesting take. My, my, my father watched it when it came out, um, and just uh, maybe like about six months before it came out, my dad got back together with all his old high school pals and started, you know, doing pub nights and things like that. Then it comes out, they all go as a group. These old pals pals used to cut about 20 years ago to watch train spotting, and I mind them phoning me the next day going, Oh, it was great, it was brilliant. Oh, see it. Oh, Kenneth, fab film, it was absolutely mm-hmm. fabulous. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if, <laughs> if watching Trainspotting 20 years ago when it came out in that same sort of like age group as the yeah. characters are, then mm-hmm. watching it 20 years later, has that, the exact hit, the exact effect that Danny mm-hmm. Boyle was looking at. Mm-hmm. It, I, it I completely agree with what you said earlier, Andrew, like, you know, the, the bit where they're, they're hiking and, and sick boys taste their own, this is just a nostalgia hit. It is, the film's a nostalgia yeah. hit, but yeah. for like the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm,
4: mm-hmm. I did have a moment of hesitancy there Joseph when you were telling that story and you're like my dad watched it and, and he, he went back to and you said the pub, I was like you went back to using heroin and he was like
1: no <laughs>
3: <laughs> he, he came up to me he's like here son grab a belt <laughs> I, I think the one thing I love about Scotland
5: as well like with the whole train spotting thing it's like you know the first film was just like it's like national treasure and then like you have Outlander out now and like people in Scotland don't watch it and have the same passion because the Americans love it and it's like you know what I mean it's like yeah, people take so much pride in Scotland for, for, for things that are so realistic in Scotland it's the same with Braveheart as well Uh, you know it's it's such a you know such a big film and everyone takes passion to it and the soundtrack is so important it really is I mean Braveheart James Horner the composer I know this is going off subject a little bit Um, (laughs) James Horner the composer like each time I listen to Braveheart it just makes me want to go run up uh, Ben Lomond and come back down again (laughs) you know what I mean and it's the same with Train Spotting. like you literally watch Train Spotting, you listen to that you know that boom 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 music and you're just like Oh, well i'm i live in sort of uh the, the west of scotland sort of pays the area so i'm like yeah, vienna's you know because it's like yeah. everyone's like loves that dance trancey music gbx at the weekend <laughs> yeah let's do it do you know I mean? it, gives you, it gives you that it gives you that come on come on kind of feel and um and that's what i i loved about train spotting as well because i you know i was born in 91 and the 90s music is the best
1: Yeah, it always will be.
4: (laughs) I I think that's the interesting thing as well when you see the line in the first one where it's being Scottish is shite. We can say that.
1: Nobody else can (laughs) say that. We can say that. I I
4: couldn't say that. I couldn't say that. That would be me over that. That would be literally you guys. (laughs) Damn it, straight over. the baby if you say that. Daniel, if you're Faye Paisley, you're an honorary (laughs) Scot, mate. If you're you're Faye Paisley, honorary Scot. Listen,
5: the Wallace Monument is literally about a five minute walk from my house where he lived. So <laughs> so yeah, I have I've been
0: uh, up yeah,
3: there. I, I think you can I think you can now officially say it's shaped being Scottish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. Officially. It's shaped being it's Scottish.
0: Not bad, man. That's not, that's not a bad accent, man. Well done.
5: Well done. That's, <laughs> that's um that's one thing that I really liked about the guy that because you guys you guys will probably notice you know, English actors playing Scots 90% of the time, shit. Right? <laughs> 90% of the time it's shit. The guy that played Sick Boy, wow,
4: his was really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not like the Peaky Blinders one. Oh, I did see oh. an. Oh, <laughs> I did see an interview. I did see an interview with. Um, I think they, were, so they were on bad. Graham. They were on Graham Norton, and Spud was talking about in the first film. He'd only heard them like so. I, I'm assuming that he'd stayed in his his Scottish accent the entire time between takes yeah. and stuff, and they were heading to the rap party. And he started talking with his, his London accent, and Spud was like, "Where the fuck it? Where where where's this come from?" So uh, obviously, if it convinced the people on set, no, I think I think he has a really good. But
0: sport that's sport. the thing. Like apparently, mm. you, you McGregor said that uh, in the first one, he didn't have a a dialect coach for for Johnny Lee Miller, and um, mm. apparently, he was just drunk. That that that's how he that's, that's, how, he, that's how he did the, the, the Scottish act, That's what he said anyway. Um, As you do, yeah. <laughs> but, but but he but he got um he got a dialect coach for this one, and it does pay off. I think he, he, he does a good job. I mean, I think yeah. I can count, I can count on. Uh, I think one hand too many people have done a good Scottish accent in, in something that I've watched. It's Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer is one. She's fantastic. She is amazing. Um, any accent.
1: Any accent,
3: yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I think I could just listen to Robert Carlyle just speak in yeah, that yeah. accent just for, for hours and hours. Obviously, I'd be terrified the entire time, but, uh, you know, it's,
0: exactly. it's, it's just... Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> right, guys. Thank you so much for chatting about Transport 2 with me. That was absolutely brilliant. So... Now for the fun part, here we go, now for uh, over to Sasha, because we've watched this film, but how well are we paying attention? It's up to the episode's Victor to decide and test us. So over to Sasha for wow. questions to fool them all.
2: Okie dokie, um, I actually found loads of questions. So they're all dotted about on my notes. Um, I'll just, I'll go with this one first. And I'll give it to Daniel.
1: Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, okay. So. Do I
0: have to say it out loud or should I just write it down? No, like oh, yeah, right, let's say it out loud. 10 seconds to <laughs> say it Ten out seconds. loud.
2: Um, what colour are the flowers that Spud puts on Tommy's wee stone? Is wee grace? Yellow.
1: Feet?
2: Yes! Yes.
1: Donald
2: He's he yeah, he's a Scott. <laughs> okay, um Craig. Oh no. Um Oh is it another flower question? Okay. What flowers are on the wallpaper in Begbie's house?
0: Oh fuck me. <laughs> uh, purple.
2: Well, what kind of flower? Oh, what kind? What
0: flower? Lilacs. (laughs) There you go. Lilacs.
1: Uh, No. They were lilies.
4: Oh! What kind of flowers are they? (laughs) Apple!
0: No,
1: I'm afraid that's not
2: a flower, but
1: okay.
2: Oh, Jesus. Um, I
0: I had a rough Valentine's Day anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Joseph. Yes. Um I know this might be an easy one. Okay. What was the name of Sick Boys Pub? I'm
3: oh busy. you bastard. Uh, oh, don't...
2: <laughs> it's all coming
3: out now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if you get this wrong, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I have I my mind's gone blank. I'm trying oh, trying to think. Um Time's up, Joseph, you gotta <sighs> answer. I don't know. I'm just going to choose the pub around the corner, Harlequins. Um, it's, yeah. I, 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 I cannot remember for the life of me. My- Is it Port oh. Sunshine? Yes. Oh, well. I'm so
2: glad I didn't give you that, question.
3: Uh,
0: oh. <laughs> oh. Here we go. Two, one.
2: Okay, Andrew. Um, so in the We Choose Life monologue, what was the first thing that
1: oh, Renton mentions?
4: <laughs> Looking about when he's telling her. Mm-hmm. I know this is wrong, but it's like, oh, fuck. I, I, I absolutely detest you right now. <laughs> Every other question, right? Um, choose... <clears throat> Choose mobile phones. I know that's wrong.
2: Oh, dude, it is wrong. It's it's choose designer lingerie.
4: Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, we've still got another four, man. It's three-one. We could still yeah, come. Yeah,
2: You could totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, okay, let's see. Um. Okay, we'll go back to Daniel.
5: Oh, well, here we go. The Englishman will bring it back. Yes. <laughs> I'm leaving you.
2: This one's quite easy, so you might... What floor does Spud live on?
5: Oh, good question.
1: Yes!
0: Well done! Come on! You're beauty! <laughs> yes. <Yes>. You're
3: dancer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh okay. no, pressure's um, on though. <laughs> no.
2: Craig. Purple. What, le- what, letters, <laughs> what letters appear on Begbie's jumper in prison?
0: What letters? Oh. What letters? Oh do you know Andrew?
4: Fuck. Think so.
3: All I can remember for that scene is seeing him wear green and I'm going, oh, I support the hips
0: Well, because of that, H I B. Or H uh, R C.
2: No. It's S P S. Actually, I don't know what it means, but yeah, probably something. Yeah,
1: about... I didn't know that. Jeez, secret. Okay. I, thought right. it
4: was, I thought it was like the name of the, the, the prison, but I was wrong. Right. Oh,
0: it was cool. Like right. HM
4: or something, but it's fine. Okay,
0: right. Playing for pride then. Let's go, boys.
4: <laughs> we can still get the draw. No. Yeah.
0: Still, <laughs> still get it back. <laughs> can we? Yeah, it's 14 four oh, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> right, carry on. Purple, carry on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, Joseph. Yes. What colour was Renton's house coat when they had to walk home naked? So when they walked home naked and they got given a house coat each, what colour was Renton's?
3: Oh, oh, um he's got it. I, do I have to get the colour, or, or just the colour, or the pattern as well?
2: If, if you, just I mean, you're not going to get
3: any extra points, but if it's, you get it's, the colour. colour on, on the jacket? He's got. He's wearing a pink house coat, isn't he?
2: Yes.
3: Yes, and it's got I, hearts oh. on it, doesn't it?
2: It's and it's just polka dots, but yeah.
3: Andy Come on, Bored. Andrew! Come right, on, Andrew! Andrew pressure's on, boy. Okay. I want it. Right, I, want right,
4: it right. I want it. I want it noted that she specifically gave Daniel easy ones. So <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear this. I'm not saying anything against Daniel, but I, I'm I'm more about the designated to these questions. <laughs> okay, this is a
1: super
2: easy one. Who did Sick Boys Pub belong to before him? His auntie. See how you go, Ellen.
0: Right. Okay. No. Now, Slash, do we have a tiebreaker? Do we have? Uh, a
2: tie yeah, somewhere. Sure.
0: Here we go. Right. Now, I, I I personally want to say we nominate someone to answer this question. I think it's only fair. I think it's only fair. So, who do we want? Do we want do we want Dan or Andrew? Because I think me and Joseph are out. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
5: definitely Andrew.
3: Oh no, I'm I, no, I want to nominate Dan. Dan, you're, I, you're, you're on fire,
5: man. Oh, this is pressure. This is yeah, pressure. Right. Go on,
0: Dan. No let's pressure go, on let's you. Let's, let, let's go, Dan. This is to be fair. This is like, mean, but this is the closest we've come because we were close with Joseph. But this is this <laughs> is the closest we've come. So let's go for it.
2: Sasha.
1: Okay,
5: how old was Tommy when
1: he died? Oh no, uh, 23. Yes, yes! No! come
5: on, oh! on, come on, yes, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, remember that scene. I remember that scene because they argue about it. Um, at the uh, in the by the hill when they put yes. the flowers down, he's like, So, how old was he? 22? No, it was 23. There you oh, go, yeah. I do remember it. Awesome. Remember the line? I watched it last night, so. Good,
4: good choice Fred. picking Daniel. I would have said 19 in the yeah.
0: middle. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you so much. So great questions. And that is the first win for the panel on the season. Well done, well done. Well done, Yay. guys. Well, done, well Dan.
2: done, guys. I'm so
4: proud. <laughs> Even when she gets beat, she's fucking insufferable, no. man. Be sad. <laughs>
2: I mean, oh, screw you, man.
3: Put <laughs> some effort in it, Sasha. Put some effort in the being angry. <laughs> I'm so annoyed.
0: Okay. <laughs> right. So quick before we go into what might have been, let's do a quick fire round of buy, rent, or refund. So for those of you who don't know, buy means that you would add this onto to your collection, watch it on repeat, recommend to everyone in their grand. Rent means that you would you would you enjoyed the film, but you maybe recommend to a couple of people, but you don't in no hurry to rewatch. And refund means you don't see this film ever again. Cast it away into the bin. So Dan, I'll start with you just very quickly. Buy, rent, or refund? T two drinks Boeing. Uh
5: I actually rented it yesterday. So because uh, <laughs> I had to because I couldn't find it. So I could uh, prep for this. Uh, but yeah, uh, I would. I would definitely rent. I wouldn't. Awesome. I wouldn't necessarily buy, but I would definitely rent it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. awesome.
5: Blockbusters. Bring back blockbusters.
0: <laughs> exactly. Sasha.
2: I actually have it on DVD. So I guess
0: I'm gonna say bye. <laughs> I, I, Andrew, Andrew, get to see it. I can tell you
4: see it honestly, I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm not gonna judge other people. She
0: doesn't even films. want to buy our
4: film. She doesn't even want to buy our film. <laughs> there we go. Okay, Andrew, buy it a refund. Um, I'm dithering between rent and sell. I don't think I'd if if I hadn't had to watch this film for this show, I would never watch this film again. But there there are parts that I would recommend to people watch. So I'll I'll just rent it.
3: Okay. Cool. Cool. Joseph, I'm the same as Andrew. Uh, I wouldn't watched it if uh, I had. I didn't have to. Uh, but now I'm. I'm a very strong rent. Okay. E- almost to buy. Almost.
0: Okay. Cool. Cool. I. I mean, I really love the film. I. I really do. Genuinely, really love the film, and uh, not because I'm in it for one second, but uh, I, I really, really do, really do like it. And um, so I'm still. I'm still a rent, though. I'm still a rent. I think. I think. Yeah, I've. I've seen it once. I've seen it again for this. I'm in no hurry to rewatch it, but I would recommend to people who I th- who I think w- would enjoy it. So definitely a rent. So let us know on Facebook and Twitter. Get us at 100 Film Reviews. Would you buy, rent, or refund on T2 Train Spotting? So before we move on to Dan's interview, let's just very quickly. I've been looking forward to this all day. So let's go to Andrew and Joseph for What Might Have Been. And Andrew, you can kick us off. Andrew, kick us off for What Might Have Been. So tell us. Tell us about Winter Soldier, why you picked it, why it was, des- it was the deserved winner, really.
4: That, that hurts me even more that I'm in this section and I'm being told that it was the deserved winner. I think <laughs> everybody knows it. Sasha's admitted it. So <laughs> clearly just Sasha has more friends than me. Um, the reason I picked Winter Soldier, if it's not clear already about the episodes that I've been on, and Vinashri, if you're watching, you can probably fast forward the next 20 <laughs> minutes. Um, the I'm a big old Marvel geek. I'm a big old superhero geek. The film grossed $714 million. So, I mean, that in itself tells you what it is. But the reason specifically I chose Winter Soldier, I think it's one of the better sequels. It's much better. I love the first Captain America, but this one is beyond better than than the first Captain America. But the other reason I picked it is, obviously I'm aware not everyone is superhero fans, not MCU fans. This is not a superhero film. This could be a James Bond film. This could be a Bourne film. This is a spy thriller. So if there was someone that was interested or that had their interest piqued by right, where would I start? Obviously, I'm going to tell them, watch it from start to finish. But if you're not into this kind of genre, Winter Soldier is the best one to go because it's it's just a great movie. It's not a great superhero movie. It's a great movie. There's so many characters. We're already seeing that there's going to be a series coming in the next two weeks with Falcon and Winter Soldier. That's going to be carrying on um, the, the legacy of that film. Yeah, I just think it's an overall really good film and I think the the actors in it are fantastic. You get people like Robert Redford in the film. You've obviously got your MCU cast with Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, um, Samuel L. Jackson, Sebastian Stan. It, it's a stellar cast. It's a great movie. It's what should have won. Mm-hmm. I'm incredibly bitter about it. I'm still showing my mm-hmm. colours for it. And... As far as I'm concerned, as long as I'm on the the 100 film review team, I'm never going to talk about this film again because you had your chance, people. So, <laughs> oh, yes. and I would also like to end <laughs> with the fact that not only am I bitter at my film not winning, the fact that the gentleman who nominated Shrek 2 got barely like what nine or ten percent is a joke. So
1: mm-hmm. I would love. I would love to hand
4: over
3: to Joseph yeah. to explain
4: why. It should have been picked before Trainspotting 2-2. Thank
3: you, Andrew. You're welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. This is a joke that's not worth laughing at. <laughs> this is a joke that doesn't even deserve to be told on stage by the most famous comedians. Because Sasha robbed not only <laughs> a wonderful film such as Winter Soldier, but the epitome <laughs> of animated film was cast aside like yesterday's lunch. How dare you, Sasha? How dare you? How very dare you. I have got one thing to say about Shrek 2. Jennifer Saunders <laughs> singing I Need a Hero. That is the only reason you need to watch this film. <laughs> and if you watch it and you, you hear that, absolutely club banger and you didn't like this film there's something wrong with you quite frankly that's my personal opinion my personal opinion does not reflect the opinions of the 100 film review podcast it's 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 a wonderful film it's it still holds up the storyline is so much more complex than the first one the first one is pretty much a tongue-in-cheek um sort of criticism on the fairy tale genre and then what shrek has managed to do is just like expand on that and really you pick apart cliches in it and just show that there's like so much dimension to these stories and it's all its all so fun it's brilliant you've got everything in it you've got love you've got betrayal you've got comedy you've got a castle siege with a big fuck off gingerbread man like what else do you want in a film? It's it's so so easy to just put on in the background. It's so easy to sit down and do what I did and watch every single moment of it, frame by frame, analysing it for its true cinematic quality. Yes, and quite frankly, everyone's (laughs) let me down. Mm. And uh, Mm it's okay. I take that. So, So quite frankly, if you know you're ever wanting a film, choose Shrek Two. Choose Fairy Godmother. <laughs> choose John Cleese as the king. Choose Mike Myers as Shrek. And quite frankly, just choose a better film.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Round of applause.
3: Well done, Joseph.
0: Absolutely brilliant. Thanks, Andrew, as well. I mean, I, mean, I must admit, I, I was upset as well with the, with how, you know, hashtag Justice for Shrek too, I must admit, because it's one of the few occasions actually where... I think a sequel's better than the original. Like Shrek, yeah, I, think, Shrek, I think Shrek 2 is genuinely better than Shrek 1, personally. So I, think
4: I think out of the three, I think arguably... I think Shrek, Shrek could have an argument that it is better, but I think I agree, I think Shrek 2 is better. Mm. But mm. I, I think you would find less arguments for Trainspotting 2, people saying mm-hmm. that the second was better than the first.
3: However, I overall, I think it's a, a, probably a better film in the general public's eyes. Shrek 2's got a very niche following. And I think that when you
4: picked Shrek 2, I proper panicked, mate, because I honestly (laughs) thought, like, because I'm going, I love Shrek 2. Mm -hmm. I
1: think
4: that's, I... I, I, I was so shocked at how. Well, I'm not, because Sasha's Sach- blackmail us. I know, I know. I it's just, uh,
3: anyway, it's <laughs> when you're up against Sasha and, her, and yeah. her, like, her her big black book of just names that she can call on. It's you, you know, you're you not winning.
4: Do you know the sad thing is? I can see going forward is if we do another vote off, we all pick films, and you've got all five or six of us campaigning against Sasha, and she still kicks all her arses mm. in one <laughs> film. I'll, go to, I'll, I'll be going into such a depression it was on oh man oh well
0: well guys thank you so much for talking about the T race racebook with that uh, awesome discussion and also with what might have been absolutely brilliant so let's move on to Daniel Reynolds
4: I'm steady on, love. I'm only trying to help you. I don't need your help, thank you very much.
2: Or it will be you that is punished.
4: So what is it you do?
5: What do you mean?
2: What do you do for work?
5: Oh. <laughs> it's complicated.
2: Really? Or is it because you're too embarrassed to tell me?
5: George Street's that way. Sorry, love. I didn't get your name.
4: Alice. And yours?
5: Harry. I'll see you around. Oi! Watch where
4: you're going!
1: You never see happiness in the working class. Only fear.
0: So... Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. Hey, hey,
1: Scott.
0: <laughs> hey, the adopted Scott. Exactly. I'm actually actually just before we get to the actual questions, Daniel. I'm, I'm really interested. Like, how did you get into acting in the first place? Because I saw on your like your, your your bio and stuff that you had a few like odd jobs here and there uh, throughout the years. But how, how did you actually fall into acting eventually?
5: I believe it or not. This is uh, without going into too much depth uh, about this because it's. Uh, I was in Ibiza uh, in 2016, as you are, uh, mm-hmm. with my uh, with my best friend and. I was severely like, you know, I was like 19 stone. I was uh, severely overweight and I wasn't happy. And uh, we were on the beach drinking Buckfast. Yes, <laughs> big bottle of Buckfast. And um, he just, we 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 were both in retail. We were both really unhappy. And I just went, he went to me, Dan, what do you want to do? This was at 11 o'clock at night before we went to uh, amnesia. And I was just like, I don't know. I want to be an actor. And he was just like, I can do it then. Do it. So I literally signed up to uh, college in 2017 and the rest is history. I studied for three years and that's what got me into acting. I I acted when I was younger as well, but Mm. they say that you kind of go through phases, you know, where it's kind of like, you know, I had this over kind of enthusiastic personality and very kind of confident in front of people. And, that you know, my parents put me into like a kind of drama group for about four years and then end up playing rugby and then come back to it when I was 25. So, yeah, I loved it. Awesome. Um, that's that's what I got into. That's how I got into acting. So
0: that's a great story. That's a great story. So you're here to talk about your period drama, a true mismatch. Can you tell everyone a little bit about the show? What, what it's all oh, about? Yeah. Where, where did the idea come from?
5: Oh, the idea just came out of nowhere, as it does. You know, it just. Um, I um, I think it was last year or the year before. I um, we had something in college where we had to put our own swing on like a play you know, uh, make it about three minutes long. So I picked Antigone and I put like a 1920s kind of swing on it. So I put it all in costumes and and I kind of got an idea from that. And the guy that I've written it with, I kind of had a meeting with him just before, um, you know, when the big lockdown came before, just after Christmas, it was Boxing Day when we went into lockdown again. And then, you know, it's it's been there ever since. Um, I had a meeting when you could meet up for coffee and stuff. And um, I was just like, I really want to write something kind of short film. And Chris has uh, Chris has been in a lot of film festivals and he's done really well. He's kind of built himself up from like YouTube videos up to uh, up to now, you know, Prime Prime Video stuff and um, and award winning uh, short films. And I said, I've got an idea. You know, I want to go back to this time period. And we kind of walked and we had discussions. We saw some places, and you know, I live in Paisley and Paisley's got a lot of Victorian architecture that has not been touched it's incredible it's i think the street we filmed the concept trade is the most listed street in scotland or something or even in europe or something like that and it's got you know it's still got the victorian vibe to it so it's like victorian times and then we just came up with a story and as soon as the story came together we we, we ripped this first episode within a couple of weeks really so that's that's how it all came came about it's like location scouting and and we were up till like four o'clock in the morning writing the script so so that's how the idea sort of came around.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's the what's the show actually about?
5: <gasps> okay, so it's it's really um, it's kind of like um, it's the clash of classes. So it's like um, it's like a Romeo and Juliet kind of story, but the the, the lead character Alice is a uh, kind of upper class, and the the, the lead male is a uh, kind of working class, really poor, um, and they kind of meet on in in hostile environment and kind of kind of. You know, the relationship starts to come together. But when we wrote the first episode, you guys will probably agree with me here. When you watch something, it takes you a good four episodes to get into it. We wanted to grab people the first episode. So when you watch the first episode, when it comes out, it's going to be like, you'll be like, wow, you establish everybody pretty early. You know, their relationships, you know who they are, where they are in the social. um, What's the word? Social. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Social ladder. And uh, yeah, you get to establish the characters pretty early, so it's yeah, it's it's we're really excited and um, to to bring work to fellow creators based in Scotland, which is the most important thing as well. Indeed. So yeah, we're really excited.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely, that's what it's all about, of course. And you you are the, the lead male in, in the show, is that correct? So what, can you what can you tell us about your character?
5: So my my character is uh is like a kind of working class Jack the lad kind of character who's very much kind of um, into uh, crime um they're like he runs like a crime sort of gang that's very good at it like really good at it it's not like like kind of professional assassins kind of kind of kind of rich and kind of like Robin Hood stealing from the rich to give to the poor kind of thing and um yeah he runs like a kind of mini he's got like pickpockets I like young kids he's got you know um like like full-grown men in their mid-20s also doing it as well and that's how he earns his money but he meets, a, he meets a young lady and kind of, you know, things could possibly change. So it's, uh, without giving too much away, that's what my character is. And yeah, we really wanted to establish, because when you watch period dramas, it's very much upper class. It's all about the mm-hmm. upper class, you, you know, because there's so much drama that happens with the upper class, but you want to you wanna know the nitty gritty stuff that happens in the lower classes as well, because yeah. there's stuff that happens that not a lot of people, not a lot of people know about. So we wanted to kind of, you know, discover that and um, and bring it to uh, bring it to the screen so people can watch it and see the two different sides of mm-hmm. the social ladder.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Sounds great. So you've got, you've started a crowd funder now. I mean, I'm saying this now, but you, you don't even need us, man. You don't even need us. You're, you're already like, what, 80% or something like that? So you're, you're,
5: yeah, 81, 81%, 81%, yeah, which is...
1: Amazing. Yeah, oh.
0: amazing, mate. honest that's, so, that's so, so good. I'm so happy for you. But um, I mean, what we can do, though, because like, hey, These things. Have you got a flex? Have you got a flexible goal? Is that is that is that right? I
5: think we. Yeah, we do. We have a flexible goal. So I think think we're we're very likely to to hit our goal because we're eighty one percent after a week, literally one week, and it's mid month, and it's during the pandemic where people have lost their jobs and all of that sort of stuff. So like we've done so well under the circumstances, which Mm. we're so grateful for, and we do have a flexible goal. So. So if we do hit target, we'll we'll probably continue it for another thirty yeah. days. So people, so we can maybe get money towards second episode or third episode exactly. or even the full series. Do you know what I mean? So we'll just we'll uh, yeah. play it by ear.
0: Yeah. So that's what that's what we could do. We can help. We can help you to just keep pushing on and keep getting that budget up so you can get as much as you can for it and get the episodes made. Yeah. So uh, where can people go to get involved with this crowdfunder?
5: So if you um, if you go into a uh, uh, we. We're running on Indiegogo at the moment, so you can. Uh, we, we were trending on the web uh, web series uh, category. We were like in the top ten, which is incredible. Um, um, and uh, if you just type in a true mismatch, it will just come up, and you can see. You can you can uh you can donate if you if obviously if you're unable to donate then share it on your uh, social media pages it's just as powerful as donating as well mm-hmm. so uh, we'd much appreciate that and uh yeah uh so you just go into uh our indiegogo page uh true mismatch and yeah
0: and that's you where can, you find us yes and you can also go on to 100 film reviews on facebook and twitter because we will have a link to the indiegogo for everyone as well to get involved And finally, you've kind of mentioned it already, but finally, where can people find you and and the show on social media so they can keep up with all you've got got going on? Um, You can,
5: if you just search in A True Mismatch, we're on TikTok, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. We're on every, most social media platforms, apart from Bebo. I don't know when that's coming out, actually. We'll try and get on that. Share the love, guys. Share the love. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so you can get us just uh, search in a true mismatch series or just a true mismatch. We come up. We're the only literally, or you can Google us. We're on IMDB, I-M-D-B? Yeah, D-B. or BD? DB, that's D-B. it. <laughs> well, so you can search us up and uh, yeah, we're we're pretty easy to find because we're the only kind of, out there that's a true mismatch. So uh yeah, just yeah, you can find us pretty easy, guys. So appreciate you follow and share the love. And uh yeah.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I wish you all the best for it, Dan. It seems like a great thank project. you looking looking forward to to seeing it coming out. And yeah, we'll we'll do our best to help you support it. And thanks for coming yeah, on the you. show. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank Pleasure. you uh, to Sasha, Joseph and Andrew for coming on the show as well and helping us talk through T2 train But as always we must finish with a life lesson. So here we go. Now, Joseph, you already kind of st- stole my thunder a little bit, but that's all right with, <laughs> with, with, with your little end. Well, might have been, but never mind. It's all right. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so here we go. The life lesson. Choose life. Choose a sailor outfit that makes your balls like they're in a vice for 14 hours. <coughs> Choose uh, people shouting, all right, Captain Birdseye, whenever you step outside for a bit of fresh air. Choose embarrassing yourself in front of Robert Carlyle and Ewan McGregor. Choose dancing your ass off, acting your ass off, only for your scenes to be left on the cutting room floor. Choose telling your family and friends to watch Sporting 2 because you're in it, but only there for one second of screen time. And choose, despite all that, the best damn job in the world. Choose acting, mm-hmm. choose acting, choose life. See you next time.
3: I don't deny there's some strange, evolutionary process going on, but mankind won't be destroyed that you and I are working here.